Hey, tonight I just thought I'd share something that's so relevant for uh, this situation. In Matthew 4.17, let's take a look at that. In the book of Matthew 4.17, we're talking about Jesus tonight. And Jesus' desire for people at that time, but his desire for us today is to do something. In Matthew 4.17, it tells us this. Have you found it yet? Here the pages finish turning. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word at hand means it's not far away. It is drawn near to you. It's all there for you if you want it. And then it says, He went on from there, walking by the Sea of Galilee, and saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. They weren't just down the beach with their towels, having a good time. They were fishermen. And Jesus said something interesting to him. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Then immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? These these two guys who are in this situation, I know I've talked to you before about this, but I believe it's still pointing today where Jesus is interested in their life. I think he spent some time with them. He talked to them. He was interested in their fishing. And then he said, I've been interested in you and I want now you to come and be interested in what I'm interested in. And how many people would relate that to their own salvation? Many, many times when you first gave your life to Jesus, you felt Jesus was so interested in you. You felt he was so there, he was so alive. The encounter that you had with God was so real to you, it it just lifted you out of whatever you were in and and became so real. And you felt Jesus was so interested in what you were interested in. But there comes a turning point in this relationship. If we keep looking for that type of relationship, we become just like a, just dependent so much on Jesus like that. When really he's changed and he's saying this, he says, I, I've been interested in what you're interested in. Now I want you to become interested in what I'm interested in. And he doesn't, doesn't pretend he, he's not going to tell you. He says, it's about fishing for people, not fishing for fish. I'm going to teach you how to do that. And he goes on and he says this, and it says, and immediately they left their nets and they followed him. This, com- this leadership evokes such compassion. Nehemiah was the same. He saw the walls broken down in the city and it evoked compassion in him. These people felt compassion. They're going to be fishers of men. How's that going to work? There's such compassion. I believe in 2019, I've got some prophetic words for 2019 we'll unpack in the next couple of weeks. But God wants to evoke a new compassion in you for people and for God. He wants to unlock it in you. And the key is whether you'll turn and follow him and not just suck it all up for yourself. There's been a time and a season where you've needed healing, you've needed help, you've needed that support. But now there's a time when God's saying, I want to build you and I want to grow you on new foundations, the foundations that I've set for you that are strong and real, that are not based on you, but based on me. Just like Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I can build this church. Upon the revelation of you knowing God and God knowing you, you can. we're going to build this church. And so this compassion is evoked by a commitment. It's evoked by a commitment. How many people know, uh, you know, we don't fall out of love. People say, oh, I've fallen out of love with a person and stuff like this. No, you've fallen out of commitment. Commitment will always, oh, well, I don't feel like it anymore. No, because feeling will always follow commitment. It's commitment that's important. In a marriage, it's commitment that's important and the feeling will follow. That's a word for somebody tonight. You've got to reinforce that commitment that's there. People say, how long have you been a Christian? I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. (laughs) 
It's like saying, I've always been married. No, I haven't. It was November 28, 1987. That was 1987, not 18, just to qualify that. In 1987, at 4.30 in the afternoon, I made a commitment and love followed. Wasn't saying there wasn't love there before. And the moment that I, the Bible says we start to leave our, our first love, we come back to realizing the commitment that we have to God, but more so, more so, the commitment that God has to us. We are not just as people of God in relationship with God. We're not just in a relationship with God. We have uh, something deeper, something more real, something more binding, something more life-giving. You know what it's called? It's called a covenant relationship with God, where He is committed to you. He is com- it's a covenant relationship. Not just a relationship, it's a covenant relationship. And to understand the strength of covenant, you must understand covenant. And we do understand covenant. So how real is that? And in that covenant, we can, we can uh, enjoy each other. Enjoy God. You know, some people, their EQ, you know what EQ is? Emotional quotient is very low. You know, it's like, you know, you know, and I know people have got personal space and all this sort of stuff, but sometimes it's, it's like, you know, you, uh, you know, I, I can't think of anybody, but I'll use Jane as a good example. You know, you get a hug, someone's like, don't hug me. Who are you to hug me? You know, and, and people can be very cold, can't they? Good Christian people can be very cold. That's my personal space. And so what it needs often there is a revelation of the love of God. That God loves you and he cares about you and you, your identity is secure and safe in him. So you're free to be able to be a person. You know, when I was before as a Christian, I, I had an issue with hugging people. Like, you know, I'd punch them before I'd hug them. You, you know, like, it's, you know, you, this is just how it was. Don't get close to me. And after many years of fighting, the, one of the problems I had is if people touched my head and I'd hit them. Because I got this thing about my head and, and I had to let go of that. And I had to get healed of that. So I could actually love people. And can I say it this way? Let people love me. You know? And I had to work it through. And can I tell you tonight is there's no bottom to this. How much you love people and how much you can be loved by people. And the Bible says in, in, doesn't it, in 1 John 4, it says this. It's not about how much you love God. That's not Christianity, really. It's not about how much you love God. It's about how much you know that God loves you. That's an ever-growing relationship. Because our love can be so conditional. But his love's not like that. And so this, this year is, is going to be a time where we're going to break down some of the walls. Some people I find in church life is church is just a community of people. They run away before God's about to do something very deep in their life. They get scared. They don't, they don't see it as fear, but it is fear. And when God's about to do something very deep and very beautiful, they make a side shift, just like that. And they, they turn left. People come to me sometimes and say, Pastor Stuart, I feel like I'm at a crossroads. I go, no, you're not at a crossroad. But they see it like this. They say, I'm at a crossroad, Pastor Stuart. And then, but they interpret it like they're at a T intersection. I don't know whether to turn left or whether I turn right. I say, well, if it's a crossroad, you can keep going. Keep going. Don't turn left or right. Keep going. And, and let the love of God do a work in your heart. Sometimes to do that, we, we move around. We can move churches. We can move this. And God says, be still and know that I'm God. Stop running around. 
Stand still so I can do a work in your heart. When you're running like that, I can't do that. And I love that sort of thinking because it, it slows us down, it stabilizes. And this is what some of the disciples are, uh, you know, the new disciples are, are faced with is this new level of commitment, this new level of compassion that they're going to have to learn. What's the big word there? It starts with C. The big word is what? Change. They're going to have to change. They're going to have to think differently. They didn't use fishing rods, I don't think. They got nets and stuff, but we're not using nets now. We're using our tongue. How does that work, Jesus? Well, that's where you need to follow the leader to learn how to be able to do what God's called you to do. And so what he's talking about, he's got this on their heart. And I think this is a very good thing. Young people today try and avoid this. And I saw it in the country, which was really impressive, is he moved these people from an edge of being responsible to being spiritually responsible. It's very healthy for a Christian to carry spiritual responsibility. It's very healthy to do that. Being responsible, being accountable, it's good for me. If I, you need to write that down. It's good for me to carry responsibility. The more I try and avoid it, the more I'll try and avoid God, I reckon. God's trying to bring them into an area of spiritual responsibility. Follow Jesus. Stay on the track. <laughs> I love the comedian the other day. He was saying, uh, he, he wrapped up his show and he said, I'm so-and-so the comedian. He said, you can follow me. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Facebook and stuff like that. Follow me. My name is such and such. He said, if you're going to follow me, I don't look like this. I look like this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought quite funny, isn't it? They're quite clever. That's what Jesus looks like when you're following him. He looks like that. Following Jesus. Getting a heart. And I know this, we've heard all this before. Um, but it's something that I suppose is, I think is alive in 2019. See, in any congregation, any church, sorry, in any church, you'll have two types of people. Number one, you'll have the disciples. Number two, you'll have the crowd. They'll be there all the time. It's just what percentage you have. You might have a lot of disciples and a very small crowd, or you might have a very uh, big crowd base and so on and so forth. So it's really where you fit in 2019, and it's just a commitment away by the confession of your mouth, because that's how I got married. That's how you got saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you shall be saved. And I think it's time for us to open our mouths as Christians to refresh our commitment to God in this season. I'm not saying, God, we're not going by the Gregorian calendar, but at the same time, we appreciate that God understands our time as well, to be able to step up and be in that role. And God will give you a leader to do that. God will give you someone to follow in that role, whether it's a a life group leader or someone like that. And the realization is this, God won't always give you the leader you want, but he'll always give you the leader you need. He'll always give you, I don't like my leader. He's making me fast. He's making me pray and stuff like that. I have to do all this sort of stuff. It's good for you to do that. He's wanting to make me responsible. And I have to be accountable. It's good for you to do that. Why? Because you're complaining about it. You don't like it. But God wants to develop it and hone it in you to make you strong. So that you won't cave in when the pressure gets great. This is the time to grow. This is the time to be strong and to build a, a tensile base inside of you. And so that's very, very important. And that fresh commitment has to stay alive, strong in us. I, I love, uh, well, I don't love it. 
I endure, enjoy Jane watching the Crown series. Huh? I'm, I'm better at, what's it, uh, comedians, cars and coffee? Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, that's me. Uh, but Jane loves the Crown series. And I was watching, we we're watching one of them and the Queen in her younger years, very young years, uh, she sat down and she uh, had, a, had a challenge in her leadership in the roles and responsibilities she had. And she thought, who can I talk to about this deep concern that was a spiritual concern she had in her heart? And she employed Billy Graham to have an audience with her, which is pretty interesting. As she said, I'm the head of the church. <laughs> There's no one above me in the church other than God, but I need someone to minister to me. And she sat down with Billy Graham in this series. Worth watching uh, this one anyway. Um, how many people love what I'm talking about, the Queen? It's hist- it is history and you've got to watch it to enjoy it. Sorry. Uh, and <laughs> Moving away from this section. <laughs> and, and that's because I love your mother. <laughs> Um, and so we're watching, watching this commitment. See, it's all about commitment. I'm telling you, guys, I'm telling you. Uh, I'm living the dream. Uh, and so now I forgot what I was talking about. That's right, Billy Graham. And she said to Billy Graham, she said, what does it mean to be a Christian? Great question. What does it mean to be a Christian? She's awfully, obviously asking the question from a believer's point of view, not an unbeliever's point of view. And he said something interesting in his reply. Can I use my paraphrased example of what he's saying? He said this. He said, number one, it's a person that's had an encounter with God. Number two, out of that encounter, they've decided to put God first in everything they do from their daily life. That's what they've decided. Out of this encounter, they've decided to put God first in their everyday life. And uh, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things, as I said, will be added to you. And I thought, what a powerful statement of encapsulating what it means to be a Christian. And she was struggling with the whole area of forgiveness, uh, which really probably wasn't forgiveness as much as trust. Uh, How do I trust the people if I'm going to forgive them? Uh, And she didn't quite understand the difference between, you know, just forgiving someone then trusting them straight away versus forgiving them and, you know, maybe just not trusting them straight away to the degree they needed. And she sat down. I, I think the disciples were a little bit like that. They started to learn this sort of stuff. They started to learn what forgiveness is. They started to learn and started to see these miracles. And so they started to see stuff that they never would have seen if they would have just stayed uh, fishermen. And one of the things I suppose that they would have probably been introduced to is this whole reality of relationship with Jesus and relationship with people. And moving away, I suppose, from the spiritual understanding of the Old Testament, because many people like the comfort of rules. Rules can be very comforting for people in lots of different ways. Can I put down some of my notes? Rules give us clear understanding of what's expected. That's fair enough. Obey the rules and we feel safe, we feel confident in our actions and in our assured, uh, when we're assured, sorry, of positive outcomes. However, excessive focus on rules can make us arrogant and judgmental. Jesus did not not, um, ask us to follow a rule book essentially he's basically said to these guys follow me where's the formula there's no formula it's called friendship follow me 
follow me and just hang out. And he realized and he helped them see the importance of a difference between a rule book and following Jesus. And the important thing is the focus, where you focus. Jesus gave them, gives us, he gave them an invitation to follow him, whether they were rich, whether they were poor, whether they were spiritual people or they weren't spiritual. He didn't give them a whole bunch of conditions. He just said, follow me. In Matthew 9, 9, it says this, Jesus said to Matthew, come follow me, and he did. Matthew was a guy, as you know, he was a Jew who collected taxes under the Roman rule from the Jews. He wasn't a like people. He wasn't a like person. And Jesus said to him, you don't line up, you don't fit the rules, you don't fit this, you don't fit. I don't know if you can make it. Jesus didn't say that. He just said, follow me. There's no formula there. It's just a confidence that God is good and God can help. And why is that important, I suppose, to us today as we wrap up tonight? Why is that important? Is someone that looks like a keyboardist, Julie, I think, wasn't it? Why is this important? It's because God wants our heart. He doesn't want us to sign up to a whole bunch of rules. He wants to sign up our heart because God looks upon the heart. And without the free will to choose, then your heart can never be fully committed. It's like when I decided to marry Jane. Is I had a choice of marrying any woman in the world. But I decided to marry her. And that commitment is important to stay strong like a muscle in my heart because all the feelings will come well that love brings after that and this was this commitment to these these guys made to Jesus as they walked down that road that hey we're not perfect but one thing we want to do is we want to learn how to commit to a relationship and a friendship to build this community that our hearts have chosen Jesus was incredibly comfortable, extremely comfortable to be around people that weren't like him. It was sort of interesting. He was comfortable to be around people that weren't like him. Didn't choose people that were like him. He chose people that were very unlike him at times. But it didn't alter the fact that he could be their friend. It wasn't holding back. It wasn't one of those weird, strange sort of, don't hug me. Don't touch me. It's like he probably helped them from day to day to work through those issues to get to the real heart. Are you okay? Are you doing all right? Are you doing all good? And that was the way he reached out to people with pure love. Didn't judge people, wasn't critical of people. Because he didn't ask them to set a, follow a set of rules, so he asked them to follow him. So their relationship EQ was really important. So I'm sure there'd be days like they would have felt like going home. It's a bit tough, Jesus. It's a bit hard. But he would have sat down with them and talked to them about that specific role, I'm sure. And I'm sure at times he didn't make anyone comfortable he walked with either. Some of the stuff he said didn't make people comfortable. But they knew it was good. They knew it was the right thing. And they knew that that's what God had called them to do day by day as they walk like that. And imagine the friendship these disciples must have had and the fun they must have had that they would have never had just fishing. 
but they let the commitment to follow Jesus go deep in their heart and produce something in them that they never would have found if they didn't decide to follow Jesus. Never would have found themselves, would have never found that depth of love that they could have found, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing sometimes to love the unlovely. But one of the things you've got to do is get rid of judgment and criticalness first so you can actually love people who are not like you. And Jesus said, just follow me and I'll help you. I'll help you. And I'm amazed, you know, in the time of being away, just being able to talk to people, and you'd be the same, but talk to people you don't even know, have a great conversation with them, walk away feeling like you're the best mate, you know? You made a connection with them and, and done that. I think that's the a role and responsibility of every believer. That like Jane said, sometimes you don't, you sow a seed that day, next day you sow another seed, the next day, next month, next year you sow another seed and before long, you know, something's developed. And what God says here, we'll wrap up with this, is what God says here is what you're doing here will last for eternity. It will last forever. It will go down in history, whatever happened. We've written a history book, haven't we? Grab one on the way out if you haven't. A history about our church, the whole history of the life of our church. And I was able to stand on the steps where in Bendigo where the people who started our church stood uh, way back in the 1900s, early 1900s. And I stood on those steps uh, there when we were away. It's a massive building now. It's all closed and condemned, I think. But big bluestone steps there of the abstinence hall there in, in Bendigo, what it was years ago, where they used to preach when they came into town. And they got a passion to come to Cairns. Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I'm so glad they went because you wouldn't be here tonight. I wouldn't be here tonight. And it's, it will last forever, what they did. Who knows what could last forever if you follow Jesus? And all it starts with is, like these guys didn't know what, they didn't know what, what was they were up for really. Jesus gave them a thing, we're going to fish men. <laughs> but it's not time to ask all the details of that. And do we sign contracts and stuff? They just, uh, you said, you're going to sign, Let's, you're coming with me. And tonight I want to ask you, are you prepared in your heart to say, Jesus, yesterday I made the same commitment, but today I'm making the same commitment if that's you. Maybe you haven't made it for a while to say, Jesus, this year, this season, I want to make a fresh commitment to walk with you like never before. What's, what are you up for? I don't know. They didn't know either. I don't know what I'm up for. But I know that as I follow him, he says, I'll make you fishers of men. In following him is the making of you. I will make you fishers of men is the making of you. And sometimes you just got to stand still enough to say, God, I'm not running from here to there. My mind's not running to and fro. I'm going to focus on this relationship I have with you. I'm not, talking, I'm not asking you to pray more read your Bible more, nothing like that. Let's not go there to rules yet. Just let it be out of relationship. God, speak to me in a dream tonight. Talk to me tomorrow. Bring someone by me. I don't know what he's going to do. But I know to stay in my relationship, I have to be committed. Because out of my commitment, love flows. It's not the other way around. Father, tonight... Under the power of this word, 
It's very short and simple and sweet. Under the power of this word, Lord, we're not signing up for rules. You didn't come to bring a rule book, Jesus. You came to bring a relationship. But it's a covenant relationship. Unlock that more to us, God. Heal us. Help us. Make us whole this year. So don't run to and fro. We don't get edgy and anxious and think the grass is greener somewhere else, but we steady ourselves and put our sail up to catch the wind of the Spirit. Lord, some of us are going to put up little sails, some are going to put up big sails, some are going to throw out the whole shebang and put up the whole whole sails. But Lord, tonight, under the power of this message, I'm going to ask people, will they make a yes to God and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe you have the best life for me. I'm just saying yes to you tonight. I said it yesterday and I'll say it tomorrow, but I'm saying it today now as well. If that's you tonight in your heart, my aim is not to embarrass you, but for you just to let a yes go out of your lips. Say, yes, God, I understand what he's saying and I hear that you hear my heart tonight as I say yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. This is an evangelistic message. It's a pastoral message. It's a prophetic message. It's a teaching message. But I'm saying yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Sign me up. I don't know what I'm in for, but sign me up. I did it years ago, but I'm doing it again now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Seek first the kingdom of God, for it's near. The word there, can I say it again? The kingdom of God has drawn near. That's what it means. Thank you, God, that you've drawn near to us tonight. We still our hearts and say, you're God. I'm me, you're God tonight. Now this commitment, Lord, that people have made tonight, I pray you'd cover it with the blood of Jesus so no wild animal devil could get at it. You cover this conversation tonight with the blood of Jesus. So no enemy could take advantage of our yes to God tonight. Your blood is that powerful, it's enough. And I decree it and proclaim it over these people tonight as they've said yes to you, God. For those that haven't, that's fine, but I pray that their hearts will be warmed as a crowd to say yes to Jesus tonight. God, you, as, as people are saying this, you're healing them. A person's blood pressure just went way down. Another person, their intestines are being healed. Headaches being lifted off. Containment being lifted off. Expectations, false expectations put on you by other people is lifting off. Because it's just relationship now. Jesus and me.